I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, welcome to one of the few precious, quiet parts of the NFL calendar. I don't even want to call it an offseason because obviously football never stops. And the more I reference the word offseason in my apartment, uh, some more pushback I get from my fiance and the idea that there is an offseason given how much is happening. But four or five days removed from the Super Bowl now, we are two weeks away from the combine, a month away from free agency, and two and a half months away still from the draft. Um, so it is quiet and my phone is not buzzing, not necessarily all from texts or calls from people uh, that I check in with, but also just alerts, which people don't know. Part of the job is to have folks like Adam Schefter and even Rappaport on Twitter alerts. So anytime in season or training camp that they blow their nose or fart, like my phone is, is blowing up and it's things you need to know, um, obviously related to covering the Patriots, but all of that has slowed down. It is quiet. So we are going to talk salary cap today now if you want to know about in-house free agents i already ran down and made a call on every single one of them for the patriots you can go back and listen to that if you want some draft talk we're going to get there next week is going to be combine preview Bradency is still a little bit far away though you've heard me throw some names around already today is kind of setting the table the parameters for the patriots offseason what can they do and before we get to the draft which look i, I know some people that i work with or at least alongside are already throwing out mock drafts God bless them. I need some more time. I am watching some film of some potential uh, first round picks, what they look like, are they Patriots fits? All of those thoughts are coming today. We're just putting out the utensils, the plates, the napkins, however the Patriots want to eat, who they want to eat with is up to them. Those decisions, those times, as I mentioned, are coming, but this is what they can do. They have right now $33.9 million in cap space scheduled for next season. So when free agency starts officially, March 15th, though it's really going to kick off unofficially at the combine when all the agents and the teams get together over drinks, at steakhouses, bars, hotels, uh, Starbucks that's connected to one particular Marriott. Okay, they'll get to learn what they have. The Patriots, of course, are going to have money to spend. $33.9 million is six months in the league, but it trails by a wide margin the top teams, Chicago at number one with $94.9 million. Then you're coming down to Atlanta, excuse me, 94.4. Atlanta is 56.5 million, and the Giants come in with the third most cap space as it is right now. And some of these numbers will change at 47.8. So the Patriots at six are really in this cluster of like five to 10. Again, 30, let's just call it $34 million in space. Could have you in the conversation for virtually any free agent that you want to talk to, provided there's mutual interest. That means you've got a legitimate chance to get them. But with teams behind you or in the same vicinity like Baltimore, or the Seahawks, or any other situation where there's an established, proven quarterback or someone who's gone deep in the playoffs, you lose that tiebreaker. So the Patriots, it would behoove them to add more cap space, give them more leverage in these talks, be able to spend more money if they want to. And what's really a critical offseason, and I fully believe that they will do this, not only because they didn't spend a whole lot last year, but Belichick in his end-of-season press conference made a point to say, over the last three years, 
including the giant spending spree in 2021, they're 27th in spending. So I think they're going to go back up again. They still have a lot of cap space in 2024. A lot of the teams I just mentioned at the top, Chicago, Atlanta, the Giants, they're all still in there. And you're going to be aware of that. Those teams, of course, rebuilding um, Houston in there, too. So they're going to roll over some of that space. The Patriots are motivated to spend, to contend, get back. We all know the reasons why. So when looking at how they can build their leverage, grow their cap space, I wrote about this for the Herald. We're going to go through this now. A couple more tidbits I saved just for the podcast and look at how the Patriots can spend more money than they have right now. And most of this is without cutting or trading a single player. So let's get started. This is just looking at the contracts you have on your books and saying, how can we tweak these? Most of those are done with a simple restructure. So you take someone's non-guaranteed base salary, which unless it's agreed upon when you strike the deal, most salaries in the NFL are non-guaranteed. You take that salary and you convert it to a signing bonus, which is obviously given up front to the, up front to the player, but for team accounting purposes can actually be spread over multiple years. It just gives them flexibility. I give you $5 million today. I really count this as $2.5 million against my books this year and $2.5 million next season. So who could be up for a simple restructure? Well, come on down, Matt Judon, best player in the team. Two years left on his deal. According to Over the Cap, and all of the numbers here for now and forever from this podcast are courtesy of Over the Cap. Great website. Tool around yourself if you're bored at work or just have time to kill this offseason, and we're going to have time to kill. They can convert some of his base salary into a signing bonus and create just shy of $5 million in space immediately. So you're not extending Matt Judon into his 30s at a time where he might be past his prime, which he's smack tab in the middle now. You keep him, you open up some cap space. He'll obviously have a bigger cap hit next year because, again, this maneuver is its not quite taking out the credit card, but you're kicking the can down the road. But as we know, Matt Judon's not going anywhere. So you take the hit next year, open up some more space now. You go from, again, let's just call it $34 million in cap space straight to 39 not a problem. Extensions, on the other hand, a couple candidates here. The number one for me is Hunter Henry, who is entering a contract year, according to Over the Cap, if you extend him by a year, you can open up as much as, but maybe it won't be this number, $6.7 million. So right there, you're going from, if we've restructured Judon, just not tinkering the contract, just moving some money around, an extra $5 million takes us to 39. With this $6.7 million, you're talking about $45.5 million in cap space, just with these two players. Now, Hunter Henry, you might go, well, he just had his worst his worst season since his rookie year. Like he played every single game, didn't produce all the numbers down, yada, yada. He's still your best tight end. And I think we know the result or the, the, the factors driving that drop off in production were the same things that drove the drop off in everyone's production last year. It was offensive coaching malpractice. And Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry suffered from that mostly because of how often they kept him in protection. Now, of course, you have Bill O'Brien, you've got a new tight ends coach, you've got all this change in the offensive staff and the competency level just rises. I think he's a huge bounce back candidate, fantasy, real life contract, whatever. But you say to him, look, we're sorry. We know what happened to you, how often we had to keep you in line, reduce your opportunities for catches. Okay, instead of heading into the market a year from now and just a year removed from those career worst numbers, we'll give you some longer term security. And what we'll do is also let you free in 2025, if you want to leave with this hypothetical one-year extension, free agency in 2025, when the cap might be close to $300 million. So next year it could be close to $250 million to 60. 
from a couple of people I've talked to. The year after that, maybe 300 million, probably in the 280, 290 range. You say you'll get more money. The way to your yes, you'll be 30, but you'll be further removed from this terrible year. Stick here, longer term security, more money later on. Extend Hunter Henry. Boom, the Patriots are up to 45, roughly million dollars in cap space. Two other names to know. Again, before we get to the trade portion of this, we're cutting any guys. That's just two of your best players. Change their deals, extend Henry's. You've already added more than uh, $10 million in cap space. Devin McCourty. So a lot of the conversation around McCourty, obviously, is he going to play or not? That's the most fundamental aspect to, you know, being a part of a football team. Are you actually going to play? His contract is set to expire before March 15th, the official start of free agency in the new calendar year in the NFL. And right now he's going to leave the Patriots with uh, a dead cap hit of $9.7 million because of void years that were tacked onto his current deal. Again, we just talked about signing bonus. You can spread it over future years. You know, they agreed to a revised contract last year where the Patriots paid him money up front, spread it over their future years. But McCourty ensured that they'd revisit talks because if he retires or his contract expires, all the money that is supposed to go on their books in 23 and 24 and 25 and 26, all of a sudden accelerates onto their current books because his contract is over. So you can't spread, you know, signing bonus over years that aren't going to happen because it's just for the, the team's accounting standpoint. But in reality, that contract expires. So anytime like you were to cut a player who had a bunch of signing bonus money spread over future years, if he's off your team, he's off your books in the future. So all of those cap charges come in to play now. That's what would happen with McCourty. This is a long <laughs> convoluted way of saying, I think they're going to talk before the contract expires. It's the same thing that happened last year. McCourty has done these team-friendly deals. The Patriots know he wants to stay in Foxborough, something that they use to their advantage in every single negotiation with homegrown talent they know doesn't want to leave. So whether he retires or returns, they'll revisit this. And I think if he retires, McCourty will agree to some sort of deal that probably makes it a little bit more palatable than just taking a dead cap hit uh, close to $10 million. What that is, I don't know. I just expect it to happen. Let's say it saves the Patriots, whether he returns or retires, a couple million dollars off of that. So again, we were in the $45, $46 million neighborhood. Let's just move on down the street to 47, 48 and look at one more name. Dietrich Wise. So Wise is coming off of a career year. Okay. This is not going to be a case of an extension. He's still got two, I think it's two years left in his deal. Um, he's a first year captain, someone they want around, someone who's proven his worth. I mean, he hit these career highs, sacks, hits pressures, et cetera, like mid-season, okay? This is his prime. This is the time to look at him and say, okay, we could extend you, but from the Patriots' standpoint, even as much as you might want to have him around as a new culture driver and part of your, your defensive line, is you can create more cap space just offering him a restructure. And according to Over the Cap, that's about $2.2 million. So again, base salary that we owe you, it's not guaranteed. We'll guarantee it for you. We'll give it to you up front. In our end, we just get to spread it over the remaining years of your contract, $2.2 million in space to spend on more guys for us. Done deal. So all told, with those four players, Matt Judon and Dietrich Twice restructures, an extension for Hunter Henry, and just revisiting Devin McCourty's contract, which is going to happen regardless of what happens, the Patriots go from $34 million in cap space all the way up to 50. And what this does is take you from six most space in the league to sec, uh, third, excuse me, behind only Chicago and then Atlanta. So you leapfrog, leapfrog, I cannot talk today, leapfrog the Giants who are at 47.8. And now you are a player because the only teams ahead of you 
of course, are rebuilding in Chicago and Atlanta. You can spend as much as the Giants, who probably have a quarterback in the same conversation as Mac Jones right now. You are a player in free agency. Whomever you want to talk to, you're at the table. Now, quickly, one idea I've already floated on this podcast, but I really I really think deserves some, some time here, is trading John U. Smith and what's really a salary dump. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, again, if you follow the NBA, you know these moves are made all of the time. Johnny Smith is not only one of the worst contracts uh, on the team in the AFC East, in the AFC, he is one of the worst contracts in the entire league. Okay, he's coming up at a $17.2 million cap hit next season, $18.4 million in 2024. And trading him after June 1st, which is a key deal basically for boring accounting rules in the NFL, if you traded him after June 1st, the Patriots would take a sizable dead cap hit, but also create close around $10 million in cap savings. The key here, of course, is no one wants John o. Smith. As I just mentioned, he's the worst contract in the NFL. He has not crossed 300 yards, 300, just 300, in a single season with the Patriots, never hit 500 with the Titans. Who the hell wants John o. Smith, let alone at this number? Maybe even half. The Patriots can sweeten the deal with a couple of draft picks. And there is precedent. 2017, Houston offloaded Brock Osweiler, saved themselves $16 million in cash, $10 million in cap space, sending him to the Browns, who had over $100 million in cap space, and attached a second-round pick. So you sweeten it with some sort of incentive. It's almost always draft equity, sometimes a young player. The Patriots can't give out any of those. And it saved the Texans, with Bill O'Brien, by the way, 5.4% of the cap that year, which was at 177. So you save $10 million, same amount the Patriots with with Johnny Smith, but now it's out of 224 million. So that's actually 4.4% of the cap this year. I don't think the Patriots would have to attach a second round pick depending on the market and the interest that they would have. But again, we just talked about those teams, Chicago, Atlanta, Houston, tons of space, all rebuilding, would welcome the draft picks and have the money to use up on a contract like Johnny Smith's. But you could attach something like a fourth and a sixth rounder, or maybe two fourths, or maybe a fourth and two sixth rounders. Because when you look at the modern, like the updated draft value chart, you remember the old Jimmy Johnson one, helped them restart the Cowboys, won all those Super Bowls. You look at the modern versions with a lot more data, the value of a second round pick, even if you want to stay in the same price range that Brock Osweiler went to Cleveland, two fourths add up to that same second round value, or a fourth and two two six-rounders. And the Patriots, once they get their comp picks, which have not been handed out yet, but just, just based on projections, are expected to have three fourth-round picks in this year's draft. They're expected to have four six-round picks in this year's draft. So it's either two fourth-rounders, a fourth, and a couple of six is roughly equal to that second-round pick, which, again, I don't think they would have to meet based on the salary relief John Smith being offloaded is less than what it was for Houston back in the day with Brock Osweiler, but it's not going to be that far off because again, who has use for that player at that type of number. So the trouble is 
of course, hey, you've got a smaller market. This hasn't happened really since the Osweiler deal, but timing. If the Patriots do this, it has to be after June 1st, which means by that time, Atlanta, Chicago, Houston won't have as much space after this deal is done when they've presumably gone on a spending spree. But understanding that they're not ready to contend in 2023, these front offices are going to want to roll over their cap space from 2023 into 2024, something we saw the Patriots do in 2020, knew they weren't going to contend, knew they were going to spend the following spring, kept a lot of their cap space, and you just get to roll over. So I don't think they'll spend all of Chicago's $94.4 million, Atlanta in the 50s, you know, the Giants after them in Houston in, in fourth or fifth. So there should be enough, but $10 million of cap space is a lot to absorb for a team uh, at that point in the season when you've already spent on free agency, you've probably signed most of your draft class and you want to save money uh, for in-season expenditures. The good news for the Patriots would be, if you can make this happen, the salary relief you would get, again, around $10 million, is about what you would need for in-season expenditures like signing you know, people off the street, off a practice squad, sometimes for per-game roster bonuses, which they use a lot. So you could do all of your business up until June 1st. If you're confident you could deal Johnny Smith, spend almost every single dollar uh, of your salary cap and then execute the deal June 2nd. If there's one in place, depending on those contracts, those conversations go respective to the contract. But um, maybe I'm just dreaming. It's just you got to get creative when you're eight and nine. I think this is the way they can do it. All right, last one, the simplest ones, forget the restructures, get out of the extensions, no more NBA trade fantasy talk, uh, cuts and trades, okay? A lot of other trade candidates um, are basically in the same pool of this, this cut candidate pool. So the names I'll mention here, not all of them, you know, could be candidates for trade. They're just, obviously, you're talking about value then to another team. Um, but let's start with Jake Bailey, not among the trade candidates. He filed a grievance after getting suspended at the end of the year. The belief is that suspension would void the guaranteed money in his contract next year. And if you'll remember, last summer, he signed a new deal that made him one of the highest paid punters in the league. And so that money not only is guaranteed, but comes in for his base salary around 2.12, I think it is, next season. So if the Patriots win that grievance or that hearing, they could release Bailey get those cap savings. Now we're over $50 million in space. Same goes for big kick Nick. Look, Nick Philk was automatic. He was great. Money from inside the 40. No problems at all. Great presence in the locker room. Belichick cannot stop saying enough good things about him, but he's another extra $2 million. If you plan on drafting a kicker and they're going to be some in the free agent market this year and think you can get one cheaper, you might as well just go ahead and do it because Nick Folk getting long in the tooth. And if the point is just to open up cap space, that's an easy enough way to do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Last ones, receivers. Um, we, we talked about Kendrick Bourne before. I think you're selling low if, if you deal him at this point. But, you know, the number there, according to over the cap, is about $5.4 million. Devontae Parker, 6.2. I don't think the Patriots are going to be lined up uh, to offload one of those, especially if Jacoby Myers leaves in free agency. But this is just money they can easily wash their hands of. 
if they want to go out and do it. I think those are both good numbers or good value for those players at those numbers. And that's, of course, as we know what the Patriots want at that position. Strength in numbers is not a number one followed by a bunch of bench warmers. So that's really it as far as I see it. But in all of those moves, including the hypothetical trade, some cuts, uh, and, you know, depending on the trade, one other trade, um, Brian Hoyer could be $1.6 million that you offload. If you cut him, it's not quite the same, but obviously they have a backup in Billy Zappi and Hoyer's usefulness is, is pretty much run its course now that you have a Dalton in the room uh, with the quarterbacks and Bill O'Brien. All of those names and numbers add up to putting you at second most cap space in the league in close to $60 million. So there are a couple other names people have floated. Trent Brown, another big number. I don't see it. He's someone who's highly motivated in the contract year, which is what 2023 is going to be for him. He'll have better coaching in Adrian Clem. And there's just no one else on the depth chart that you go, yeah, we can start him and not have a problem. I think the Patriots will be aggressive in free agency in the draft at offensive tackle. But Trent Brown, you can still play on the left or right side. I think he'll stay on the left side. He's still at a good value. I think you're going to get a better version than you did last year when, you know, I was tweeting all the time about his penalties. I think he finished with 13 in the year. But at least he was playing. And you couldn't say that for any other starting caliber tackle on the roster. Um, and he also didn't get benched. So there's talent there. I think you work with it. I don't think you offload him because then you're really, really in trouble at that point. All right. So there you have it. If the Patriots want to open up that much space, it's really not that hard. You've got a way eating into your cap space in 2024 when they're still positioned to spend a lot. Mac will still be on a cost controlled contract. There's a lot that can happen over the next 12 months, but you're not really offloading any of your young talent. You're only offloading one of your top contracts there in John o. Smith. It'll cost you, but these are things the Patriots can do. Um, how many of them do they do? I would guess probably no more than half, but it would be surprising to me see any other name involved just based on the contract, the depth chart situation, and where they are and what they need to accomplish this offseason um, out there in free agency. But we set the table. Now we get to the fun stuff. And for now, before we get to those apps, uh, next week with the Combine, then obviously free agency main course in the draft will be our dessert mailbag. So uh, four questions. A couple of these I stole from last week's episode that we didn't get to one of which was asked actually in response to the Herald story that I dropped on Twitter uh, the other day. So leading off, Obi-Woke Kenobi, hopefully this is a sarcastic mention, asks, do you think it's possible to be a Super Bowl contender and have Matthew Judon be your best player? I feel like he would be the fourth or fifth best player in any recent Super Bowl team. It's a great question. Matthew Judon is a four-time pro bowler. Um, he plays an important position as an edge rusher. He still was not named to first or second team all pro. And I think that was justified when you look at the players that beat him out. Nick Bosa, you know, Hassan Reddick was the worst of those four, um, deserved it, Michael Parsons. So he's he's definitely in the Pro Bowl category. I think what you would love to have is someone who, you know, is in the all pro category. And I'm not talking about Marcus Jones as a returner or Matthew Slater a year ago as a special teams player. So I think theoretically you could, you would just need players of the same caliber at several other positions and certainly a quarterback, but ideally, no, you would like someone better than Judon at quarterback receiver. Certainly corner would help out maybe offensive line, but that's still kind of a weak link unit there. Um, but it's a fair question because right now that's, it's a big reason why the Patriots are where they are. Matthew Judon is their best player and you're still waiting in some young talent to come up and meet him. Maybe internally someone makes it happen, a la Kyle Duggar, Mike Nguyenu, but we're going to have to wait until next season. 
Okay, Big Huncho wants to know, what if we traded Bourne to a team that really wants him in a package deal with John Luke Smith? Okay, now we're now, now you're offloading a ton of salary. And the timing, which I mentioned before, again, is the problem here. It's not just $10.8 million, you know, dumped on the new team with John Luke Smith. Throw that in with Bourne, and you're already over um, 16 at that point. So who has that amount of space? Who has that amount of interest in two players who, again, you know, regressed statistically teams like Bourne. I think the Patriots might offer that as an incentive. I just think it's probably cleaner and easier to do this if it's even possible um, to do it with draft equity rather than additional players, because there might even be a deal where the Patriots don't get $10.8 million in salary cap relief by dumping Johnny Smith. It might be Smith, a couple of picks and a young player coming back, you know, who's a kind of backup level, maybe even on a minimum deal. So the salary you know, relief is less than $10 million, but still enough that you get to offload John Smith and it's worth it. So I don't think adding players on the Patriots side makes that more likely. It's more probable that if this ever comes about, the Patriots take back a player. Um, so the salary relief is not quite as big as it would be, but you still get off a very, very bad contract. John Dunphy uh, wants to know, thinking longer term here, but do you ever envision Belichick paying a quarterback $30 million a year? If Mac plays well next season, that's what it will cost at minimum to keep him. Do they do that or just plan to always have a QB on a rookie contract? John brings up a really good point. I think the number, though, to get stuck on is not necessarily $30 million, which is something, of course, they never committed to Brady. It's more of a percentage of the cap. And this is how they look at it. Because as I mentioned, the cap is going to jump big time next year and perhaps, again, close to $300 million in 2025. So $30 million in 2025 or even 2024 is just 10% to 15% at that point, which is perfectly palatable. That's what you had with Brady for most of those years, or at least in that neighborhood. So, yes, I think it could, could be possible. With Mac. again, a, a lot of this hinges on his play. It's not particularly fun just to say that, that, oh, we'll wait and see. Um, but I, I do think there is a time and place the Patriots would do that. It would just have to fit within that kind of same percentage where – they're, they're just insistent on never paying, you know, market value for quarterbacks, understanding how much of that cap, you know, is taken up there. But eight of the last, I, I want to credit whoever had the stat, but I can't remember off the top of my head, eight of the last Super Bowl, eight of the last nine Super Bowl winning quarterbacks uh, were not on rookie contracts. So this has been the fun niche point in NFL podcasting and, and uh, TV and radio, et cetera, et cetera. It is valuable. It's a good point. It's really beneficial to roster building, but ultimately maybe it doesn't get you as close as you think you do because it still matters much more. Who is that player on the contract versus just what the contract is relative to the rest of your team? All right, last one. This one comes from Ashley, 1992. Andrew, what do you think happens uh, with the following players in the offseason? Jacoby Myers, Jonathan Jones, Deb McCourty, Jabril Peppers, and Miles Bryant. Uh, like I mentioned uh, earlier, we have an episode on this. I made a call on every single one. But, um, you know, again, we're closing in a free agency, which not only means new players coming in, but probably some old players going out. Of this group, I, I think Jacoby Myers is gone. I think he outprices himself in New England, even though he wants to stay. I think John Jones lands a deal with someone like Houston or the Raiders, who are obviously familiar with them, expatriates running those front offices, uh, and also prices himself out. He's just a corner at 30, the Patriots do not hold on to those type of players. I'm I'm closer to 50-50 on McCourty, which again is a return versus uh, retire conversation. A, a lot of the media work he's done would lean me towards retirement, but I think he's also wondering, 
you know, would I want to miss out on a year if there's a chance to make a deep run in the playoffs? Because that's, of course, why he plays. And if the Patriots look like, and they certainly do, as we've discussed, look like they're primed to make a big splash in for agency, maybe he does make it one more year. So we'll see. I'm just going to say 50-50 on McCourty. Uh, Jabril Peppers, I think, is back. I don't even have the market that he likes out there. He's a good fit in New England. Uh, and Miles Bryant, yeah, restricted free agent. He'll be back. So we will be back as well next week, previewing the NFL Combine. We'll have some stories where it really happens, what doesn't, the importance of the Combine, players to watch, days to know, uh, the work that's a matter, those that don't, and uh, lots more with a guest next week. So stay tuned and enjoy yourself the rest of a quote-unquote quiet part of the offseason. The Pat's Interference Podcast is powered by America's number one online sports book, Bet Online.